0: Hello, and welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. Our messages are designed to help teach and equip you on your journey to lead people to follow Christ. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage you, no matter where you are in your journey towards Jesus. If you have any questions, want to talk, or want to learn more about Summit, visit us at summitniles.com. If you take your Bibles with me this morning, turn to the New Testament. Romans five—it's one of the places I'm going to encourage you to find. Romans five. Also, we're going to be looking at Acts chapter one. We're talking about the God of the God of hope. So good to see you this morning. Merry Christmas, folks! Um, here to celebrate the the birth of Christ, the reality, who He is and what He came to do. God is so good. Enjoyed uh, time last night. Um, Christmas Eve, three Christmas Eve services where we were able to celebrate who Christ was and the hope of Christ. Today, uh, this is the last message in this series on the, the God of hope. And <clears throat> we, we've been talking in these weeks about how Christmas is the celebration of, of the incarnation of Jesus Christ, the, the unfathomable doctrine, the truth that the eternal Son of God became flesh and dwelt among us. It's it's at the very heart of the Christian faith that God is with us, that God is with us. In the weeks leading up to Christmas, we looked at the God of hope. You you may agree that 2022, in this year and and even um, the the last couple of years, um, all right, so One of the things we did here was we changed the platform and it's not even, so I'm going to be off to the right this morning, okay? We can't wobble like that, but I'm leaning to the right, all right? That's your left, I understand, but we got to get set. All right, Um, then in in 2022, things have been off kilter a little. Um, And sometimes you look at the world and you say, who's at the controls? right? There are times when we wished um, the adulting would play out a little bit better. There's, there's too many examples of people acting in ways that would not be judged best of show, right? And for some people, I think it causes people to become a, a little nervous or even at times to, to lose hope, they're beginning to lose hope that things will ever be like they were again. And here's just a side note: parentheses, uh, things are not going to be like they were before, right? But I think we have we have an opportunity. Uh, instead of bemoaning that fact, um, we could begin to look for how things may be better in some ways. The reason for hope. And especially among Christian people, because we have good reasons for hope. Uh, The reason for hope is based on the fact that we know the kingdom of God remains a firm foundation for anyone who is in Christ Jesus. So the Bible equips us to deal, to to cope with overcoming hopelessness. The gospel is good news. Jesus came to bring hope to all who were hurting and lost. And and God is with us. Emmanuel, God is with us. Do you know where God is when our world is falling apart? He is with us. Do you know where God is when we lose someone close to us? God is with us. Do you know where God is when we're wounded or in pain? He is with us. When we're lonely or discouraged, where is God? He is with us. He is with us. He is Emmanuel, which means God with us. Through our highest highs... In our lowest lows, there's never a moment where God leaves us or forsakes us. His hope and His love endure forever. So we have hope. We're celebrating at Christmas the fact that God showed up. We're dealing with an already and not yet aspect of that. He came as a baby to save the world. He's coming back again as a king to rule the world. Last night we talked about how He came gently, gently. As I'm sitting there listening to them sing, uh, that song, the, how he came gently, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, And when he comes again, it's not going to be so gently, is it? Amen. Come riding a horse whose name is Faithful and True, and, and he's going to come to rule the nations. What do we do? Um, this whole idea of God showing up, we talked about what happens when God doesn't show up. <laughs> when, when we feel like we're alone, or that we go through situations that are very difficult but at christmas god revealed his plan to redeem humanity he came into a world to make right what was wrong after a period of of many years god broke his silence he announced um that that you know god God spoke up that, that he is with us the coming of the messiah ultimately he came to end suffering someday scripture says there'll be no more death no more mourning, no more crying. The old order of things has passed away. He said, I'm making all things new. Um, again, we remind ourselves he's not making all new things. He's making all things new. That's, that gives me hope. Aren't you glad that God, when, when we mess up, you know, <clears throat> one of the games we used to play when we were a kid, uh, you know, you go roller skating, there'd be all kinds of different games, or you'd go to an arcade someplace, and they had this thing called whack-a-mole. Um, in fact um, I've recently had the opportunity to play whack-a-mole one of the families in our church has a a little arcade set up and they have whack-a-mole we took the staff over there and we had a contest who could whack-a-mole faster than anybody else and um, and aren't you glad that um, God you know this isn't a cosmic whack-a-mole kind of scenario we're in where God you know, he, he's, he's looking for us to, to mess up and he, you know, whacks us every time, you know, hits us on the head and, and banks. No, that's, that's not how he is. It's not that he, he said listen, these people have messed stuff up. You know, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's none that are righteous. The wages of sin is death. So if we have, if we get what's coming to us, it's not going to be good. So there's that, that judgment of the righteousness of God that, 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 we, that we deal with, that problem, that, that impasse that in our relationship with God that Christ came to, 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 to um, build a connection, to make a connection so that we could be, again, in right relationship with God. And, and when we sin or we, um, you know, we're, the God is not trying to destroy us and say, listen, I, I'm done with that person finally. They've, you know, they've, they've messed up, you know, one time too many. And so I'm just going to cast them aside. Aren't you glad that God doesn't just throw us away and say, okay, listen, I'm going to start over with somebody else? He did that once. You can read about it in, uh, in the early chapter. took, what was it, six chapters For God to, you know, then starts recording the great flood. God said, listen, I I regret that I ever made human beings. Okay? The rainbow that he hung in the sky is a reminder that he's not going to do that again. He doesn't make all new things. He said, I'm going to make all things new. I'm glad in my life that God didn't throw me away and say, you know, one too many sins, I'm done with him. Instead of making all new things, he made all things new. That brings me hope. He also came to deal with the source of our suffering. See, God, not only did he speak up, he showed up, but he spoke up, but he also holds us up. He came to deal with, our, with, with, with the source of suffering. Sin separated us from God, ruined the world that God created. Pain and suffering in the world is the result of sin. The good news is that the first Christmas, Christ came as a way to offer, a way to deal with that sin. He holds us up. He came to offer himself to you. We talked about that last night. He, he offered himself up. He offered himself up, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. You see, when the Son of God came to earth over 2,000 years ago, and look, again, um, the the wonder of, of the story that Ellen shared with us, the fact that God took on human flesh, that he came, he walked the face of the earth, the fact that God was here is an amazing thing. We so, say, well, listen, I, I read about it in, in, in the story, and I believe it in, in, in the Scripture, and I, and I read about it, and I, and I believe it, but, folks, Jesus walked the face of the earth, right? He was here. And the, the earth that we live on, it happened. Fully God, but fully human. That means he took on humanity. He experienced everything it was to be human. The gospel deals with his very real life all of the things that he faced. God with us. What massive hope and comfort is ours to know that the Christian faith introduces a beautiful truth of the world, the fact that we have a God who came, who identifies with us, who hurt, um, but also provides the hope. Our ever-present Emmanuel, God with us. And now I want you to Focus your attention on where where do we go from here. Romans 5, verse 5 says, And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. I want you, in Romans 5, to look at some of the preceding verses to the one I just read. So, Romans chapter 5, if you look at those preceding verses, there's some really power, powerful benefits of, of believing. We're, what we're talking this morning about is the presence of God, Emmanuel, with us. But as we're going to look in, in a few moments, there's a point after his life, his death, his resurrection. He was on the earth for a period of several days, but then scripture says he ascended into heaven. Jesus Christ, the, the The person of God, Jesus Christ, is not walking on the face of the earth like he did um, as a newborn babe, as a young teenager, as a a man young in ministry. He ascended back into heaven, sitting right now at the right hand of God the Father. That's where he is. So what does that mean for us in these days? Has God left us? Are we here now to fend for our own? What what do we do in the meantime? He's promised that he'll come again, but in the meantime, what do we do? Are we alone? Indeed, we'll find out that we're not alone. Look at Romans chapter 5. Notice these first five verses. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, and I want you to think about, pick out some of the benefits that you that you can can find here from, from being a person who believes and follows Christ. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character... Hope, and then the verse five that that was on the screen for you earlier. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. So I just want to identify some of those benefits as we work through this. Some benefits of believing: we've been declared uh, justified by God. That's a legal decree in the court of God's law a person who believes in Jesus Christ, we've been pardoned. Now, pardon's not that big a deal until you really need one. But when you need a pardon, it's a difference between being free and paying the price of of your sin or the price of the the crime, right? A guilty sentence is transformed into a sentence of justified. So we've been declared justified by God. We have peace with God. Do you see that? Um, We don't have peace with the devil, He's going to be hounding you um, all the live long day, right? Um, We don't have peace with the world much of the time. And I don't know about you, but we also have a battle with the flesh. We don't have peace with that, but we can have peace with God. Um, Peace with God, no more separation, no more guilt, here's another benefit grace from God we have grace from God that's his unmerited favor grace it's the only way salvation comes it's it, it's it's described as our, our standing before God grace reassures us that God's attitude toward a believer is one of favor <laughs> favor When you have grace from God you can spend more time loving God and less time hating yourself <laughs> God's grace I don't have to prove that I'm worthy of God's grace that's not in question of course, I don't deserve it. Of course, I'm not worthy of it. Or it wouldn't be grace. God is giving it unmerited favor. Notice that I also have access to God. We can approach God into the very courts of heaven. We have access to God, brought into his presence by Christ. And then notice we have the hope of the glory of God, confident joy, happy certainty, hope to the glory of God. But I want you to notice that the promise of glory is also for this present time Um, there's a way it talks about the hope of glory in spite of tribulation right in spite of the trouble that we have in this world Uh, there's a way you can you can glory in tribulation knowing that tribulation produces perseverance perseverance produces character and character produces hope some have called that the golden chain of christian growth and maturity Persevering, you know, persecution, and you persevere underneath that, and it produces character and hope. That, that's how God builds the metal of our spiritual lives. Let, let me just clarify something here based on the context, though. Perseverance and tribulation in this context is suffering because of faith. Suffering because of faith. It, it's not the... Um, it, it, it's, it, it's not somehow suffering, you know, an, an abuse that somehow leads to a hope situation. It's enduring the hardships of, of, of walking a life of faith. It's a testing of Christian faith example. When, when it perseveres, it produces character and then hope. And par, apart from being a spiritual person, and here's, here's the thing about persecution or endure, enduring, or perseverance apart from being a spiritual person, the chance that tribulation will actually produce hope is nil. It's not good. It's just naturally not the case. Uh, The opposite is true. In in fact, you you see the example of of the thief on the cross. (laughs) You know, hardship in life. Okay, so whatever he did, maybe he's even suffering because of his own, his own sin. You know, he was being crucified, one on either side of Christ. And, and, there, was, and there was one whose, whose heart was, was hard. He was, he was dealing with some pretty heavy stuff right there, but it just made him harder. And oftentimes that's what you see in life. A carnal person under tribulation tends to become more carnal. However, a spiritual person, here's the difference, a spiritual person under tribulation tends to become more spiritual, or at the very least has the potential to be more spiritual. Only a heart that has been altered and renewed by the Holy Spirit responds to tribulation with hope. Now, I'm going somewhere with this. Here's the thing. I'm going to get the airplane off the ground here. The, the thing about flights is you want the airplane to get back down on the ground safely. Otherwise, it's not a good flight, right? Um, That's going to be the challenge for me this morning. Um, We're going to get the airplane in the air. Can we get it back down um, in the next 12 minutes? Here's the verse. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given us we're talking about hope this morning and the connection of that with the power of God's Holy Spirit now watch this everyone who is a Christian has the Holy Spirit Romans chapter 8 verse 9 you however are not in the realm of the flesh but are in the realm of the Spirit who if indeed the Spirit of God lives within you and anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ they do not belong to Christ. So a person who belongs to Christ, you've been adopted into the family of God, you have the Spirit of Christ in you. That's Romans 8, verse 9. But look at Romans 8, verse 5. Not every Christian lives in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Because watch this, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. Those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Another verse in Romans, Romans 15, verse 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So there's this idea that, this this truth, the the, the God of hope, that that he would fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope. How are you going to overflow with hope? this verse reminds us that it's by the power of the holy spirit here again paul affirms the hope we have in god the blessings of joy and peace that come from believing christ and the hope overflows and and, and think, think with me <laughs> for a moment with as you think about the story of in in the gospels of the disciples who walked with jesus they, they they early disciples, they walked with Jesus, they watched Jesus, they worked alongside Jesus, they were witnesses of miracles of Jesus. And so we would say they, they experienced maybe the best of times, and they also experienced some of the worst of times, because they also were there when the rest of the story played out, and Christ was the atoning sacrifice for sin. He took our sin to the cross. He paid the price of our sin by dying as the Lamb of God, who takes away sins of the world. So the disciples had a front row seat to all the action, to the events of, 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 of the miracles of Christ, but also to the last days of Christ on earth. They were around when he was arrested. They were around during that mock trial. They were, they were around. They knew of how he was falsely accused and how he died on the cross. They were also there after he rose from the grave. They were witnesses of his resurrection. And when we jump ahead to the rest of the story, we know that Jesus left this earth after he Was resurrected he spent some time on this earth and revealed himself um, to many proving that he was um, the christ the messiah the one who was able to lay his life down pick it back up after his resurrection he was on earth witnessing teaching disciples 40 days after easter jesus was on earth the bible records that jesus after that he left his disciples in fact he left the earth he went back into heaven in fact um, turn to uh, acts chapter one. Acts chapter one, we read the story. Um, Let me just jump. Well, verse two, until the day he was taken up, Acts one, verse two, until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he had chosen, After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, in the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before them. That's the ascension. He was taken up before them, before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, and suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. So after, after the resurrection, um, and watch this, Emmanuel, God with us, and now Jesus is telling his disciples what to do when he's gone. He's pointing to the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. He continues to give instructions to the apostles. He's, he's teaching them regarding what to do in his absence. If, if the... If the glory, now what is interesting, he said, by, by the power of the Holy Spirit, if the glorified and resurrected Jesus needs and relied on the Holy Spirit to teach, um, first of all, there's a, there's a clue there for us. It, it, we do too. Do you, do you see that? After giving instructions through the, Holy, to, through the Holy Spirit to the apostles. So here's Jesus, resurrected body, glorified body. He's giving instructions through the Holy Spirit. If, the whole, if he needs the Holy Spirit to communicate to the disciples, we probably do too. All right. In fact, the book of Acts is the record, the pattern for how the Holy Spirit works in and through people in the church. The Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, third member of the Trinity. Again, you're not going to find the word Trinity in the Bible, but the concept of that, God, the, the, the person of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit clearly in Scripture, even though the word Trinity isn't the aspect of the person of God that lives and empowers and inspires people the Holy Spirit has a work among those who are not yet believers well how does he do that well he's in places uh, you know referred to as the hound of heaven the Holy Spirit calls people to Christ he convicts the world of sin and righteousness and judgment um convicts the world of sin sin is the truth about man righteousness is truth about god and judgment is the inevitable uh combination of those two, two truths the the sinfulness of of man and the and the righteousness of god and so it's it's the holy spirit is involved in this whole idea of of before a person is saved, so listen, when I'm, re- when I'm saved, I receive the Holy Spirit. Yeah, well, the Holy Spirit's been pretty active prior to that, or we'd be too doggone dumb to know to accept Christ. We need grace. We need grace to know Jesus. And then he saves us. Sin is unbelief of Christ. It proves one is guilty. The Holy Spirit convicts and convinces a person they're guilty and need a Savior. If at some point in your life, God has the, the power of God's Holy Spirit hasn't convicted you of sin, and and convinced you that you're guilty you would never seek a savior the holy spirit pulls a person to believe in jesus to be saved now the holy spirit also has a work among those who are already believers um so we talk about sanctifying grace and glorifying grace um sanctifying grace happens to you in this world glorifying grace you got to die to get well sanctifying grace you got to die to get too but you got to die to self Glorifying grace. Someday we'll have a glorified body, perfectly fit for eternity. In fact, Jesus tells his disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the promise. It's interesting to me that often we think we need to do something for God. At least in this case, Jesus says, "You just wait. I got something for you." He promised the gift would come. It was reliable. He affirmed it was worth waiting for. He indicated that they could receive it. They couldn't create it. Too many people try trying to create the holy spirit too they're trying to blow their own wind that doesn't work you can't create it but you can receive it the, the disciples knew enough old testament they knew about the spiritual national birth of israel i don't, I don't know that i have time to go into that but they're, they're thinking about god coming to you know okay uh we've been through some stuff here resurrection all right so we're good right we're good good we're all good thank goodness you know we're good because he's good Okay, so now that means the kingdom must become a national kingdom. They they were dealing with a spiritual aspect, but now in their minds they're thinking, okay, Messiah, um, a a national kind of thing. Um, It's been 2,000 years. Um, Even though there's been some restoration, the national power they wanted is still delayed. But, But I want you to see this. The spiritual power is not delayed the spiritual power for the purpose of witnessing Christ. Uh, And by the way, this isn't a recommendation. It's it's imperative. You will be witnesses. The only hope we have of being effective witnesses is dependent on God's Holy Spirit. And of course, God knew that in order to be the kind of witnesses he was calling them to be, they would need the Spirit. Um, Does it make you wonder if the witness of the church today is lacking, maybe because believers are lacking the witness of the Holy Spirit? And much more, the, the ineptness and in witnessing of the, of the church is a result that we are not filled with and empowered by and following the work and the will of the Holy Spirit. If we want to be witnesses, we're going to have to be filled with the Spirit. <clears throat> All right, we are in the air and nowhere near the ground. and. Um, Jesus is standing with them one moment, and the next he's gone. Whatever happened to Emmanuel, God with us? They're watching him. He's taken into heaven. He disappeared. They're left gazing, scratching their heads. Two white men. We assume uh, two white, two men white uh, dressed in white. We're assuming angels appear, and <laughs> that would get your attention and basically they look at the disciples and say listen you need to refocus um, quit wondering where he went and get ready to receive the spirit of christ he said where he tell you what did he tell you to do well get back to jerusalem and you 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 get to busy you get busy waiting um, this same jesus <laughs> This same Jesus is going to come again. Um, I mean, there's a whole series of messages there. Here's, here's the simple point that I want you to see, and I believe is the, the source of hope for today. And, and this, this is going to require that you, you, you move forward uh, in, in Scripture there to John 16. I have it written for you on the screen, but this is out of John 16. Um, The source of hope. John 16, verses 5 through 7. But now I'm going to him who sent me. None of you ask me where you're going. Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, for it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Here's god with us jesus spends the 30 30 33 years of his life on earth here and then he ascends into heaven he's okay whew, now what jesus looks at him and he says this idea of god with you don't worry he said i'll still be with you in fact he, he said it's for your good that i go he gives them the the full-up truth he warns them that there's going to be some difficult times coming um why but but why christ and you see when christ was on the earth the hatred was directed toward him and now he's gone and so he knows the hatred's going to be directed to christ followers but in his absence he said listen even though you're facing all this kind of thing he said it's good because i'm going to be with you in the midst of whatever you face it's for your good i'm going away it doesn't sound right that's hard to believe but let me just tell you why it's good you see when we would say this in the death of a loved one who is suffering we may say something like this it's better for them to go and stop suffering it's you know and so families many times around the bed of someone who's suffering say listen it's better for them that that person go and stop suffering but when we love someone who is near death we don't think that it is it is to our advantage that they go in this case even though jesus knew they loved him he said this, it, it's for your advantage that I go. <laughs> and here's why. Jesus is saying, the Holy Spirit in you is even greater than Christ with you. The Holy Spirit in them would bless them even more than the bodily presence of a risen Savior. He said, very truly, I, I, I tell you, he, he wanted them to hear him and, and trust him. Um, he said, guys, you got, you got to see this, you got to hear this. Um, I, I've been with you. He said, but, but I'm going to send you an advocate, a helper a comforter and, and it's going to be better that he lives within you rather than me just be with you you see jesus was in one place at, at one time he limited himself the holy spirit is everywhere all the time jesus promised the, the holy spirit would come to his disciples when he departed on earth and he went back into heaven and and he is still with us maybe now closer than ever continual living within us that's to our advantage that the spirit of god lives within us as believers He's with us all the time. In fact, we're two or more gathered in his name. He says, I'm there. But, but he is, you, you can, you know what? <laughs> you can talk to Jesus in a Ford truck, driving down the road. I've had a Chevy, too. I met Jesus in a Chevy. Where you are, if you're a believer, the Spirit of God is within you. He's with us Today. Um, we also have faith in Jesus, not in the not just in the sight of Jesus. The disciples they saw him and they believed. Thomas, you see your hands. Remember what Jesus said to Thomas? He said, "Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed." He said, "It's better that I go." We believe in Jesus and we've not seen him, <laughs> but His Spirit has borne witness with our Spirit that we are sons of God. We we also now see the completed work in Christ. He was still walking the face of the earth. Um, it, you know, so, remember the cross, he said, it is finished. If Jesus was still walking on the face of the earth, um, um, it would confuse us, because watch this. In his glorified body, he's not going to suffer. When a person dies in a glorified body, there's no suffering, no more pain. The old order of things has passed away. Jesus now has a glorified body. And if Jesus was still walking on the face of the earth, he wouldn't be suffering. And those of us who are still walking on the face of the earth, who, who don't have glorified bodies, we know we're still suffering. So we'd look at him and say, well, that doesn't make sense, right? He suffered once for all. That's, it's done. It's finished. Um, and then notice, even after Jesus, being with Jesus himself in the flesh, the disciples still needed refinement. He said, it's better that I go. I I, I look at the disciples, and they saw the miracles. You know, turning water into wine, marriage there in Canaan and Galilee, to all of the miracles that Jesus performed. They had a front row seat to that. They saw all of those things. And and yet, there was transformation in their life that hadn't taken place um, like, like it needed to. In fact, even, even after the resurrection, <laughs> Peter went back to fishing. Now, let's begin to think about that. Peter, I mean, the resurrection. You've seen the Christ. I mean, what, what else do you need, brother? You know what he needed? He needed an Acts 2 experience. He needed a, because you, do, you, do you realize the transformation that happened in Peter's life? In Acts two, when the Holy Spirit fell, they did go back to Jerusalem. They were waiting, tearing. The Holy Spirit baptized. You know, John baptized with water. He, Jesus said, "There's one coming. He's going to baptize with the Spirit." And the Spirit of God fell. There, there was a, it, It's better. It's better for us to have the Spirit of God living within us, reforming us, refining us, transforming our hearts and our minds. Little idea of. Jesus knew what he was talking about. He said, in the spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into truth. He'll not speak in his own. He'll speak only what he hears. He'll tell you of what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it's from me and he will, and, and, and he will receive what, what he will make known to you. So this, this ascension in G, into heaven of Jesus proved that he had perfectly completed the Father's will, proved himself righteous, but he says, I have a lot more to teach you. One of the hopes that I have in life is that the Spirit of God is living in me; that He's continuing to teach me and guide me and, and help me along the way. John sixteen twenty eight. I came from the Father and into the world. Now I'm leaving the world. I'm going back to the Father. Jesus is saying, "I'm going back where I came from." But we're not left alone. I want you to see that he told his disciples i'll be with you till the very end of the age i'll never leave you i'll never forsake you. my holy spirit will be with you this whole idea of god with us boy it's real right now jesus christ isn't walking the face of the earth he's ascending going back into heaven but the presence of god the person of god living within his holy spirit it's a real deal he is here he is with us he hasn't left us we're not orphans and that gives me a lot of hope the end of the age whenever that will be jesus said you're going to see me again i'm coming back in the same way you've seen me go john 16 33 i've told you these things so that in me you have me have peace in this world you'll have trouble but take heart i've overcome the world there's my hope because i have a i have the holy spirit of god living within me even though i may face trouble in this world i can still have peace i can still have hope i'm gonna invite the team to come The ham is on, and the turkey is on, and you don't want it well done. You guys come. Life will not be a rose-colored trip in paradise. In fact, Jesus would pray for his disciples. He knew they would suffer in the world. But he promised them his presence, and he said that they may have peace. Here's the one thing that I know. God did promise his presence. I'm not sure. Well, in fact, the Scripture says you may have peace. God promises you His presence. He doesn't promise you peace. You may have it. You may receive it. But there's a lot of people in life who seem to ignore it. You can have peace with God because you've been justified by faith. Peace to overcome the world. Peace in, in, in the midst of trouble of the world. that gives me a lot of hope. I may have peace. But I don't know how you find that apart from the Spirit of God living within you. Oh, There's so much to be said about this. And and, and this is this idea of we we may need to refuel in midair because this coming coming year we're going to be talking more and more more about this. What does it mean to walk in, in in the presence and with the power of God's Holy Spirit in our lives. You see, we, we want to raise up disciples who, who like Peter, even though we may witness um, the life, the death, the resurrection of Christ, and all his good grace. But there's a tendency sometimes to just, just want to go back to fishing. But the Spirit of God living within us, transforming us. Um, to become the witnesses that he's called us to be so that in these days, we are a part of that that harvest that God is, and and the spirit that he's pouring out in these last days. We've got to figure that out. So, you know, I'll tell you this, if you're interested in a, a seat on the bus, you know, if you're interested in a seat on the bus, that's just going to church. Um, you, might, you might want to check your ticket because I'm not offering you a seat on the bus to go to church. I'm offering you a seat on, on the bus to go out into the world and become the church in the world. And ultimately, I, I'm trying to get us able to stand before an almighty God someday. And when our lives will be laid bare, that we would hear those words that say, Well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I'm trying, that's what I'm trying to help us do in these days. And all that's possible with the power of the Holy Spirit. And that just gives me a lot of hope. You so, say, "Who? are you discouraged? Are you frustrated? You think the world's, you know, um, you think you think the world's going to hell in a handbasket? Nope. I don't because we're sending disciples out into the world to share good news and God's there's a lot of pre-christian people that God wants to save and he wants to use you to do it so I think the world's going to hell I said I I see him going to heaven I know there's a road that's narrow and wide but you know what don't you want to be a part of what God's doing and calling people to follow him and leading people to follow Christ I do we can rest in heaven. Right? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. Charles Spurgeon said, we're like ships without wind, branches without sap, coals without fire. We're useless without the Holy Spirit. He inbounds great preacher teacher on prayer said what the church needs today is not more machinery or better not new organizations or more novel methods but men whom the holy ghost can use men and women of prayer full of the holy spirit well yeah so we're gonna have to refuel in air we'll keep on going You hang out in these next months, you will not get away without knowing more and experiencing more of God's Holy Spirit in your life. I believe it's what we need, it's where we're headed. End of a year, and and the beginning of a new one. I'm ready for an adventure, an adventure that God is leading us on by His Holy Spirit, that empowers us to do and be the people that He's called us to be. Heavenly Father, help us in these days to love Jesus with all our heart, soul, and mind and to be full of hope (laughs) with the power of your Holy Spirit. So your word leads us and guides us. Your spirit enables us to do and be all that you've called us to be. God, help your church. As we close a year and look to a new one, it's good to know that your presence is always with us. Now more than ever, your spirit lives within us. Help us, God, to know you, um, to experience you, to be filled, overflowing. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from the Summit Church Podcast. Again, if you have any questions, visit us at summitniles.com. Now go and be the church in the world.